I'm thankful that uh, that you're watching right now. I'm thankful that I've got something very special for you today. I believe, I always believe that in my heart because I believe I have some things that, that can take root in your life and change it because usually these are things that have taken root in my own life and helped me and helped our family and, and stayed on top of some things. You know, I had some thoughts the other day, but, uh, but I want to introduce something today that I've talked about in the past but I want to talk, uh, press more into this. You know, I had this thought the other day, and you, it's not a brand new thought. I, I, didn't, I didn't make this one up, but you know, if you think about what health is, good health, basically if you really stop and analyze it, it's the absence of disease. Well, uh, how do I deal with that? Uh, de disease is an evidence. Did you know that disease is an evidence of something's not quite right? And as I was thinking about this, where does disease come from? See, where, where does it come from? Well, basically, if you stay on this and you're familiar with the Bible, you're, what it says, basically it came from the fall of Adam. Because at that point in that garden, it was a perfect everything. God had a, had a man that was going to uh, take over uh, the earth and his behalf and be godlike and be the god of this. But anyway, Adam sold us out. And you probably know that. If you don't know it, uh, it's time to start really realizing that was the fall. That's where sin came in. That's where all the things that came in and, and, and diseases and all those kind of things. And they multiplied through the, through the centuries of thousands of years, you might say. Well, there you go. Uh, so what, we're talking about the absence of, of, uh, of healing, uh, of health, is a disease. We say, well, okay, that's about that. But you see, that disease also, that same disease can operate in not only physical, can operate in our finances, our relationships, our businesses, everything that we're involved with in our life. And you know, what, what are you saying, Gary? What, what's this all about? Well, you know, if it's not supposed to be there, and if you realize that the things that are coming along in your life that are coming against you, maybe not allowing things, certain things to happen, maybe it's some stress in your marriage, maybe it's stress in your family, Maybe it's business things that aren't working quite right. There's something that seems strange that, that shouldn't be there. In other relationships, you know, uh, just out and about. Well, let, let's talk about that. If, if, those if those came out of the fall of Adam and that comes out of that sin camp, hey, stay with me. This, this may sound deep right now, but it's, if you really stop and listen to what I'm trying to say, it means that good health is God. You know, Jesus had a saying in John 10:10. Uh, 10, 10, he says, "The thief has come, but for to steal, kill, and destroy." You've heard that scripture a lot. Well, what does that mean? That means if something's creeping into your life that's not there, it's like like some things just aren't working right for you. Who's the author of that? Well, it's not our Lord. And you know, unfortunately, um, how do I say this? But you know, through denominational teaching and watered down Bible studies and things like that. Uh, so often people get off on this idea that God did it to them. Well, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that would indicate that, uh, particularly in the New Testament. I know you read the Old Testament, but there was a reason that, that, that uh, things took place there. Uh, but, in, but when Jesus died for us and shed his blood on the cross, he left, he left a bloodline for us in Jesus' name. And, and, and at that point, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Okay, are you with me so far? I hope you are, because this, 
this could help your life a lot. You know, let's talk about this disease that could be operating in your life somewhere. Let's talk about, um, you know, I, I go back a little bit. And I thought this morning, you know, I grew up in a long time ago uh, compared to a lot of you that are watching. Uh, I grew up out in the ranching country, and back in the 40s and 50s, uh, the sheep uh, were a big crop for livestock men. There were tens of thousands of sheep in, in our area, western South Dakota, eastern Montana, Wyoming, a huge sheep country. But guess what? There was a predator. And at that time, they were coyotes. And you may be a city person and call them coyotes, but we always called them coyotes because that's what they were. Well, you know how they'd operate. You, you'd go out there uh, and the sheep would bed down. We'd call it bed down. They'd, they'd lay down and sleep during the night. And basically uh, the ranchers and I, we had sheep. I, and I grew up with this stuff. Uh, go out in the morning, sheep would be there and they'd be ready, ready for their feed uh, or grow grazing, whatever. But guess what else was out there? There'd be these coyotes, these animals, and they'd be sitting out there just watching that herd. And, and they would watch until they saw one of those sheep, whether it was a lamb or, a, or an older, a ewe, whatever, that they could get, and they'd dive in there and kill that animal and eat it. Well, if you're farming and you're trying to make a living with that, that wasn't a nice thing to do. That cost you money. And you know what? As I was growing up, my father uh, saw that and he wanted to be a pilot. So he went and took flying lessons and he learned how to fly. And even as a young pilot, uh, he had an older uh, instructor that said to my dad, he said, Gail, that was my dad's name. Uh, he said, I know that you're going to go fly this airplane but I know that you're probably going to go hunt those coyotes out of this airplane. So I'm going to teach you how to fly so you won't kill yourself doing it. Well, that's just no, by the way, it's part of the story. It's part of the story I grew up with because my father uh, began to hunt those coyotes. And, and, not, and, and what he did, he had someone fly with him in the backseat of that little airplane and they would kill these coyotes. Now in that process, I'll have to tell you, there were some of these coyotes were so smart. Uh, and uh, they would be so smart that the ranchers would have high-powered rifles even in that day. They'd have traps. They'd have all kind of things trying to trap those old, smart coyotes. But guess what? They couldn't get them. They were too smart. And, and I'll just say this, by the way, my father became famous back in the late 40s, early 50s, because he figured that out if he could come in uh, the ranchers would tell him by, they'd write them letters, they didn't have cell phones, a lot of them didn't have phones. Uh, they would let him know that they had this old, they call them an old dog coyote out there they couldn't get. And they'd have some of those were 20 years old, been eating sheep for these ranchers. Cost them a lot of money, killing all those sheep. My dad figured out he could fly over there, get in his airplane just before daylight, and he would go to that ranch, the, far, the rancher would tell him where that old dog would come out of, some draw, some ravine, some, somewhere. Dad would come in with his gunner, come in and kill that coyote. Nobody else could get it. You see, why am I talking about these stories? Well, the, part of the deal is it's part of my life too. Uh, part of what, it, I even 
flew for him as the gunner as I became a little older, 12, 13 years old, whatever that means. But you see, the Bible, that is what the devil does. You know, in 1 Peter uh, 5, 8, it talks about, he said, be sober, be vigilant. This is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I was looking at that scripture and I thought about those old coyotes. That was their job. They just, they just creep about. And you know, we see that same thing in other, other animals, predators and so on. But this one I remember because I was part of that. Part of that. But it says here, who's your adversary? And I want to get that over to you. You know, it's, your adversary's not your, if you're married, it's not your wife. It's not your neighbor. It's not your kids that's a little rebellious. It's none of those. It's the devil. You've got to put the, you've got to put, because the denominational teachers, I don't care, and I'm not slamming anybody, but I, people, if you come out of a denominational church of any kind, you may not have been taught who the adversary is. In fact, uh, nationwide, fewer, fewer people believe there is a devil. They don't believe it. They don't believe the Bible for the most part. The vast majority of people that call themselves Christians don't believe any of this stuff. So when somebody like me comes along and I'm trying to bring some truth into you, you see you've had some watered down teaching over these years and you don't know it. Part of the problem is your ministers don't know it. And I'm not saying every minister because there's some powerful preachers out there, powerful word men. They know. But a lot of you in these denominational churches, you haven't had that. You've had somebody tell you, well, it might be God that made you sick. It might be God that's making you poor. Well, they lied to you because here it says here, your adversary in 1 Peter 5, 8, your adversary is the devil. You got to get this straight. Well, what's that got to do with? Well, he, he comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he ate may devour. And you know, this gets a little heavy and I'll keep smiling here because this is something that could change your life if you listen to me. Uh, you know, the Amplified talks about when it talks about a roaring lion, uh, it says in fierce hunger. See, the devil is fierce. He wants your life. That's why Jesus tried to tell us the thief, the God of this world, he called him. Uh, the prince of power of the air, he said he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And you know, we can go wringing our hands and we can get upset about some of the things that are going on, but I, here's where I'm at. I know there's stuff going on in our nation right now and the earth that's horrible. I mean, we could read the news this very morning and see some horrible atrocities in our own land. Well, I can't just sit here and say we can stop all that, control it, but you know what? We can control that over our own families, Amen. our marriage, our families. I, I mean, you, 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 you talk about uh, what do I do? Well, here's what I do. I lay down a bloodline. How do I do that? Well, first of all, we have to realize there's some, th there's some scriptures that make a difference. Jesus said himself in, in Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I've given you authority over all power of the enemy. Serpents and scorpions and all these kind of things over all power of the enemy. I've given you that authority. So what does that mean to you? It means we have some authority, but we need to use it. And so here's how I do it with my family. 
I, I simply say this one thing, and I don't do it after the, you know, they, they used to say that, uh, you know, after it's too late. I, I've been doing this a long time for my family, and I, I simply address the devil because I have that ability and that privilege. Jesus gave me that authority. He gave it to you, too, if you learned how to use it. And I just say, Satan, you can't have my family. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, when you really get into the idea of the authority of the believer, and you, re you begin to read things like in Ephesians here, uh, and, and you see in, in verse 1 of uh, chapter uh, 1 of Ephesians, and we go to uh, uh, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, and it says, towards us who believe, it's talking about there's a power that's been released to you on the cross. Because that blood of Jesus Christ brought authority over to you. It brought, the, it brought the power of God into God's people. That's what it did. The Old Testament, God had to do everything. The New Testament, that blood set us free from many things, sickness and disease, redeemed us, but also... It gave us a power that's in us. It came with the package. It's like the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So when you say something, that power's got to do with authority. That, that authority. So when I say, Satan, you can't have my family, guess what? He hears me. Guess what? The same power that's in, that's in me, when I express that, uh, it empowers. It's not only empowering, but I will guarantee you that devil hears me. Whatever devil's involved, you say, well, you, are you a, a demon hunter? Well, no, I'm not a demon hunter, but I'm just a protector of what God's given me, and I've got some revelation, and I know maybe you can't handle this. But at some point, you'll remember I told you, if there's thing going on in your life that shouldn't be there, it's you that has to take authority over there. You have to do it with your mouth, what you say. And here's what else I say. I go, some scriptures come out of there. I, I set a hedge around my entire household. I set a bloodline of Jesus Christ. I say no weapon of Satan. That's in Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I think about what are these weapons of Satan? No weapon of Satan shall cross that, that hedge. No sickness, no disease, no calamity, no accident, no harm. To me, my wife, our marriage, our children, our grandchildren, and present and future great-grandchildren. You, you may say, well, Gary, that really sounds out of, out of, out of whack there somewhere. No, it's not. It's scripture. And if you'll hear this, I'm telling you, uh, this could change your life, how you look at things. Instead of saying, oh God, how come you allowed that to happen? Hey, you know when it was allowed? In the fall of Adam. You might say Adam allowed this. Right. I'm serious. Uh, quit blaming God for stuff that he didn't do. That won't get you very far. And you know, some things you just can't beg God to do either. There's things you can ask God to do, and, and basically he wants to answer those things. But you know, when you lay this down like that, I've laid down a bloodline. And you know what? 
it, it's, it's there, I believe it. And as I share with people, you know, people say, well, you know, you, you never know what your kids are gonna do. And I said, yes, I do. They're gonna be blessed without measure. They're gonna be gone. They're gonna marry mates that love the Lord. They're gonna be healthy. They'll never have to die of an accident and, and so on and so forth. They'll love the Lord. They'll preach this gospel if they want to. They'll do what God's called them to do. Maybe they won't be preachers. I don't care about that. That's up to God. That's up to them. But you see, I, I put it out there. And I also say my descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. That's Psalm 112, verse 2. And, uh, and then I say also in that same psalm, verse 3, wealth and riches shall be in his house. That's what a believer has. That's what I'm believing for. Glory to God. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell you what, uh, you know, if you want to talk about a weapon that might be formed against you when it comes to finances, it could be a weapon of, a weapon of lack. Lack could be a disease for you. Well, you know, that's even covered in Malachi, but you see, there's a difference in Malachi. Malachi said he'd be, in verse chapter 3, with tithers and, and offers or giving, I won't go there right there, but it's Malachi 3, and he said, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. But see, that's before the blood was shed for you. Now we rebuke the devourer. I do. I say I rebuke you. You can't have you can't have my children. You can't have my finances. I'm a giver. I'm a tither. And and guess what? You can't come against my finances. My bank accounts are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ about the power he gave me. Now, uh, I just back up in Psalm 112 verse 1 is bless the man who fears the Lord who delights greatly in his commandments. Man, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you're still watching. I hope you are, because if you are, your life could be changed drastically this day. You see, I, I want to be a blessed man of God, but I, what I know is I have to pick up the sword. I have to swing that sword myself with my mouth. And you think about those coyotes. Man, when, when Dad had come in, with that airplane and that shotgun and the guy behind him and he'd nail that old dog that had been out there that had, that had eluded people all those years. And that's the way devil's operating. And maybe in your life, maybe he's been in your, your family for generations. I could name some families that I see things in their life that have been there for generations. But you see, one man or woman of God could stand up and stop that. But you've got to grow in faith. You've got to do some of these things I'm telling you. And uh, verse 9 says, resist him. He tells you to resist him. He doesn't say God's going to resist him for you. That's in 1 Peter 5, 9. He says, resist him. Stand fast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Well, the key is resist him. You resist him. He's fierce in an attempt to steal, kill, and destroy from you, you need to be fierce in your attack on him. God bless you. I'll close this today, but, uh, but I'll, I will just have to say in summary, uh, you might as well say when you're talking about a fierce hunger that the enemies have and that those old coyotes had, they planned to kill that sheep. G devil would kill you if he could, uh, you know, but you keep braced. You don't, you stand under this, the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, and, and he, you know, we're not in a game. Let's, let's put it that way. It's not a game of religion. It's not a game. It's your life 
but it's a great life, and it's a life to excel with Jesus Christ. If you really pick up the tools and say, I'm going to excel this day. I'm not going to allow the evil one to steal from me one more second. And if you take that stand right now, you'll some things will start to change in your life. So God bless you. Hallelujah. There's so much more we could talk about today, but I'm going to close it with this, and I'm going to say, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you just it's real simple. It's just real Real simple. You say, Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want the Word of God to come alive with me by the help of the Holy Spirit. So, so I'm going to call you my Lord right now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you, Lord. You just by doing that, I'm redeemed from all that mess. I'm forgiven for all my sins. I'm everything. I, I'm set on a new place with my Father and my even my life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today.